This show is brought to you by the North Face. Now, the North Face have been my sponsors for the last eight or nine years, and I'm really proud to be involved with this fantastic outdoor brand. Now, they've been in the outdoor industry for over 50 years, and they are the premier supplier of authentic, innovative, and technologically advanced exploration apparel. For your footwear, equipment, accessories, they've got the best stuff. Now, their lightweight and weather-resistant flight series running gear is my absolute favorite. So, if if you're into trail running, if you're into desert running, if you're into just exploring our mountains, then these, this is the go-to gear. And it's designed to endure, engineered to help you through the heat, through heavy downpours, or whatever else comes your way so that you can run no matter what, every day, any weather, any terrain, and never stop exploring. If you'd like to check out their whole range, go to thenorthface.co.nz. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems and wisdom we can learn from them. Now, over to your host, Lisa Tamati. Well, hi, everybody. It's Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits, and it's, it's wonderful to have you all back again. I'm just so excited right now. I'm just absolutely flipping out of my skin because I've got one of my great uh, teachers. He doesn't even know me, but I know him very well from his podcast that I've been listening to for the last, I don't know how long, a year, um, sort of religiously. And this man is all the way from Austin, Texas, and he is the founder of Sharpen.com. He's a massive businessman in the States and he helps and scale and grow businesses and helps people achieve their greatest contribution in life. So welcome to the show, Alex Sharfin. Alex, it's fantastic to have you here. Lisa, it's so good to be here. I like how you say my name. It sounds better than when I say it. <laughs> That's the Kiwi accent for you. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> So, Alex, um, I want to go into a little bit uh, about your history first, like where you came from, um, why you, you felt different even at the age of eight, and, and what uh, led you into this crazy, amazing business career that you've had. You know, Lisa, I think um, I, I always knew I was different. You know, we as a company, we, we have a, a book called The Entrepreneurial Personality Type, and there's three awakenings of the EPT. There's, there's like three, three signs that you know you have the entrepreneurial personality type. The first one is that you had the recognition you were different. And, you know, I go out and I speak to crowds of entrepreneurs all the time. And, and when I ask audiences, how old were you when you knew you were different? And for it, it, it varies. Like sometimes it's in their 20s. Sometimes it's in their 30s or 40s. A lot of people, it's when they're younger. For me, it was immediately. I always knew I was fundamentally different than the people around me. And I had a really hard time figuring out where I belong. And the second awakening of the entrepreneurial personality type is innate motivation. It's that um, that understanding that we can't turn it off. Mm. And ever since I was a little kid, I was the kid who was always told, sit down, stop talking, quit wiggling, quit moving, you know, stop making everybody else uncomfortable. And that was just a constant. It was always like that for me. And, um, so I, I didn't, I didn't know anything else. And so I always knew that the people around me were fundamentally different because I was the only one getting yelled at. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the third awakening of the entrepreneurial personality type, which is so, so contradictory is that 
you know, we feel this call of contribution. And Lisa, in just a short time we talked before we started the podcast, I know you're feeling it. It's that voice in your head that says you need to do more, be more, leave more behind, make a bigger impact, make a bigger change. And even though when I was a kid, I was bullied and I had a hard time with the people around me, I still had this compulsion to want to help and to want to contribute and to make things happen and to, to, to help the people around me. And so um, that's, I think it's just, I've always been that way and, yeah. and I don't know anything different. And then th this is something that really spoke to my heart because I've always felt, you know, I'm definitely the entrepreneurial personality type. And when I listened to your podcast and I, and I started to understand that, hey, this is the actual thing that, you know, this is a type of person and then it's okay to be this way. I mean, uh, for me, um, always doing, ex I've always done extreme things. I've always pushed the limits physically um, and mentally and always wanted to be in business for myself. You know, when I got stuck into a corporate world at the age of 18 and I left school, I just wanted to die. I was so unhappy. I just could yeah. not sit in. I couldn't sit still from eight till four. I couldn't, I felt like I was completely a fish out of water. Um, and, and since then, I've been pretty much in business for myself, for better or worse, <laughs> eking my way forward. Um, but th that, that, that difference and that passion drives me now to want to be completely, I, I want to make the greatest contribution. And I know a lot of my listeners are the very same, that we're very driven, we're very energetic, we're very uh, passionate about what we want, we want to do. Uh, but we don't always know how to make that happen. And this is where your your entrepreneurial personality type and your uh, billionaire code, which we'll get into a little bit later as well, uh, really gives you a stepping stone to what, what this is all about and why we're so different. So, um, the Can I speak to that for a second? Is yeah. that okay, Lisa? Yeah, because, you. you know, I, I think especially with your audience and, and, and it, people who are drawn to you are going to be like you. And, it, and if you always struggled with that feeling of being different, you know, I just, I want to share with, with you and with the audience, you know, what I found when I was younger, I was so different in school. I was so different in, in situations where there was other people around that I always knew it. I was the kid that the adults would say, Hey, look, it's Lisa and Bobby and Alex. And I knew they were doing that. You know, I knew that they, they were like, uh, there was trepidation that I even showed up because I was so different and, and I caused like issues and I was a behavioral problem. And, you know, I, ha I heard adults in position of, of authority say I was slow, I was um, retarded, disabled, disordered, like all kinds of stuff. Because when it came to paying attention in class, it just didn't work for me. I wasn't like everybody else. And so as a kid, I started obsessively reading and I first read personal development and it, that didn't last very long because personal development books argue with each other. If you read 10 of them, you get 10 different arguments and most of them like are arguing in, have you run into that when you yeah, read yeah, personal yeah, development? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, I couldn't handle that level of incongruency. I'm like, people are making this up and it doesn't fit. So I can't reconcile it. So I started obsessively reading about successful people mm. and, um, shit, sorry, I get emotional every time I talk about this because that's, that's when I started, you're emotional. <laughs> well, when I, when I started reading biographies and autobiographies and third-party accounts of successful people, what I found was not what I expected to find. You know, I thought I was so separate from success, so different than the world around me yeah. that I would never find forward progress of any kind. And when I started reading about successful people and, and you know, first I read dozens, then hundreds, then thousands, and then anything I could get my hands on. And here's the confirmation that I found over and over again. 
was that the people that were the most successful in the world were also the most different. And it didn't really matter what you showed up with. You know, the more I read, you read about stories like Helen Keller, who, who was, was blind and deaf and unable to speak, but still changed the world for disabled people. She, you know, and, and, and when she was born, she should have been thrown in a, in a lake with a couple of rocks in a bag. That's really what happened to kids like that. Yeah. And the more I read about successful people, the more I found that they were different and unique and alone and felt different and had this restless agitation that, that they couldn't, couldn't reconcile. And I think that for anyone listening who's ever felt alone or different or isolated, here's what I want you to do is just take a second and think back through the timeline of history that matters to you and the people who elevate off that timeline. You know, for me, it was people like Newton and Pythagoras and Einstein yeah. and, and these human beings that were willing to question what was going on and do something different and put themselves out there in a different way. And if you think about the history of the world, anyone you remember, anyone that matters to be remembered was just like us. And that is our tribe. That is our birthright. And for so long, people like us, we, you know, we, we feel different and isolated and confused because we don't understand this. Yeah. You know, there's no point in time in our life histories where they put all the kids that are different in a room and say, hey, guys, you're going to change the world. But the reality is, is being like everyone else means you're not going to change the world. And so the person, you know, society has this bizarre equation today that if you don't look like everyone else, talk like everyone else, show up like everyone else, and learn at the same speed as everyone else, you're broken and we have to fix you. Yeah. But Lisa, history proves if you don't talk like everyone else, look like everyone else, show up like everyone else, and learn in the same way, that is exactly the brilliant person that's going to change the world. Entrepreneurs are the only source of positive human evolution and they always will be. That's a, that's a part of every podcast and that's sort of ingrained in my head. <laughs> and, and that's true. You, you call us evolutionary hunters. What yeah. do you mean by that? What, what is, I mean, I know what that means, but what do, explain what that means to people. Well, I think the easiest way to explain that is, is for us to go through a self-qualification. You know, when I look at the world, I've done a, a, an extensive amount of research on, uh, in psychology and epidemiology and archaeology and, um, and looking at the history of humanity and who we are. And when you look at our human tribe, Lisa, you have to admit that the human organism, the human animal, is a really terrible package. Yeah. You know, if you take a baby human, you put a baby human up against a baby, just about anything else, and the human's going to lose. Like, you put a baby human in a crib with an insect, and a lot of insects will beat the human. Like there's, there's, you know, humans are, are, are pretty pathetic when it comes to that. Yeah. And so how did our tribe survive? How did our species survive? You know, I look at it as that we work together and we're, we're different. And I see four different types of people in the world. The first one's the group that I call the caretakers. It's a massive group of people. They mm -hmm. like the act of taking care of other people. They get excited about helping other people. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs say, oh, I must be that person. A lot of coaches like you say, oh, I must be a caretaker. Yeah. Well, the question for the disqualification question for caretaker is, do you enjoy changing bedpans? <laughs> you know, the, the pan that someone uses when they're in the hospital? Yeah. No. Not enjoyable, no. <laughs> no. But you know what's weird, Lisa? If, you, if a caretaker changes a bedpan, because I've been in the room, and you ask, hey, did you enjoy changing that bedpan? They will look at you congruently and say, absolutely. If that person needed the bedpan change and I could be of service, I feel utilized, you know, I, that is exactly where I should be. I never have felt that way in my life. I'm not a caretaker. And, but I still want to help people. So, so we have to reconcile, like, why is that? So let's look at the second type of person in the world. 
I call them the communicators. These are the people that like to talk. They like the act of communication. They like to share, you know, whatever is going on. Now, the disqualification question for a communicator is, do you enjoy small talk? Mm-mm. No, right? <laughs> no, I mean, for me, <laughs> I... I I get into a small talk conversation and I'm like, do I fake a heart attack or do I just walk away? Because it feels so constraining to me to be in that small talk conversation. But if you took, put two communicators at a water cooler, they will talk for 45 minutes about a half hour television show. And so, so you know, that, that personality type exists out there and it's a huge part of our tribe as well. Now, so we have the communicators, the, the, or sorry, the caretakers, the communicators, the third group of people is the coordinators. And the coordinators are the people that like order and red tape and to put things in order and logic and, and they, they really like like details and they like contracts, not, what was that? Far too many of them, I think. Well, and see, that's what's interesting is you've already identified, you know, if if people like us are going to have conflict, it's usually with a coordinator because they get excited about a contract, not because there's a deal but because there's a contract and the disqualification question for a coordinator is, do you enjoy being on a committee? <laughs> no. no, right? Yeah. And you laugh about it, but here's what's crazy. You talk to a coordinator and they love committees. Yeah. They'll tell you how many committees they are on, not just one. They'll give you a resume that shows all the committees they've ever been on and how they love doing that. And they love the process and all those things. And people like us just aren't the same. So if you look at the human population, we have the people who take care of people, the people who communicate oral tradition, kept our tribe alive, told us what we needed to know, the people who kept things in order, told us when it was winter, when it was summer, because people like you and I wouldn't have paid attention. Well, if you look at those, those three, what's missing from the evolutionary human tribe? It's the person that gets up every day and commits to the vulnerability and the exposure of going on a hunt to keep the human tribe alive. And the reason I call people like us evolutionary hunters is because I believe we've always been on the hunt. We're driven to move forward. We're driven to evolve humanity and to go out and make a kill. And the disqualification question for evolutionary hunter is simple. Can you turn it off? No, definitely If you can't, if you can't, then, then why? So, so how much sense does it make that whether, however you think human beings were created, whether it was divine intervention or evolution or whatever it is, when you look at the evolutionary hunter, this is the personality type that never stops. Why? Because it's a survival mechanism. We have to keep the tribe alive. Yeah. And as we approach a goal, it loses importance to us. Yeah. So the same speed with which we are about to make a kill, that kill loses importance and the next one takes dominance. Why? Because if this tribe, if our human tribe is going to survive, we had to kill every single day and we never could stop. And if we went out and we exposed ourselves to a hunt where things happened and it was hard and it was difficult and it was traumatic, we got up the next day and did the exact same thing again. And when you look at entrepreneurs today, that's exactly who we are. We are that small percentage of the population that rather than living today, we go into the future, create a new reality, come back to the present and demand it becomes real. And you know, just like I do, that that is not an easy exercise. Hell no, it isn't. It is, and, and there's so many parallels. And for my, my, my career as an ultramarathon runner, that actually makes sense then because it's also very, very similar in the way that, you know, when you're doing ultramarathons, you're pushing the extreme limits. And what I loved about it was that I was exposed. I never knew what I was going to be getting into. I was in danger. I was uh, pushing. You were on the hunt. Yeah, I was on the hunt. I was finding out who the hell I am. 
And, yeah. and people often said to me, well, isn't that a pointless exercise? You're running across a desert in a race or something. <laughs> what? And, I, you know, uh, the, the greatest things that I've ever learned in my life have been out in there because when I come back into the, the real world, if you like, into the normal world, I can apply all those principles in business to my family, to my relationships, all the skills that I've learned. This is what I preach about a lot is about, you know, transferring those skills, those mindset skills that I learned pushing extreme boundaries in, in a day-by-day situation. I had a, uh, recently, my, my listeners know, uh, my mum had an aneurysm two and a half years ago and was left severely, severely disabled with virtually no higher function. And the doctor said she would never do anything again. She was 74. Um, and I just absolutely refused to believe it. So for the next two and a half years since then, I've spent the eight hours a day working with her and working through programs. And uh, Health is huge. And we'll get onto that with you as well in a minute. Um, I took a real integrated approach and now two and a half years later the doctors have said it's an absolute miracle She's walking talking reading writing driving the car got her license back. She's completely normal again And they said that was absolutely impossible. She'd never even push on a button again, you know So that to me what people believe we can achieve and what we can actually achieve is just so much more If we're willing to go to the hard yards if we're willing to persist and, and persevere and and fight onwards uh, but it's never an easy path and feeling isolated in that is, is I think, a huge thing for a lot of people. Um, so just to know that there's a tribe out there <laughs> of other uh, evolutionary hunters, of other people who want to push the boundaries and that we are okay. We might be eccentric in the eyes of other people. We might be slightly mad. I'm always being called mad. But people... I think now, like you, you and I both can say, people listen now when we say. Yeah, and you know what, Lisa? Every entrepreneur is crazy until they sell a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and and the fact is, and it's true. And you know, I, I I was called weird, and then I made a lot of money, and then it switched to eccentric. And so, you know, when when you look at who we are in the human tribe, we are clearly the most important portion of this tribe because without us, there's no evolution, there's no change, there's no growth. And that story you just told about your mom, I always tell people like us, averages, the law of percentages does not apply to evolutionary hunters. We are a tiny percentage of the population that can change anything. And when you look at what, what normal people are told, you know, you're, you were told by doctors what every person who has a stroke was told. You know what? So most of the, audience, most of the, the world just says, okay, I'm never going to be able to do these things again. When I was 15 years old, I got in a car accident with, on a bike. I, was, I used to race bikes and I went over the back of a car and really damaged my knees. Yep. And I was told that I would never be able to run again. I might be able to ride a bike. I didn't accept it. I told the doctor, well, okay, so what, is the, what, what do I have to do to get past that diagnosis? Like what is everything that you would tell somebody to do if their life depended on it? And I went to therapy for two years, four days a week. And at the end of that two year period, I was running as much as I wanted to. I was playing racquetball. I was doing all the things that I was told I would never be able to do again. Wow. The law of averages doesn't apply to us. If, if anybody ever gives you a diagnosis, a disorder, a disease, they tell you you have something, we need to understand the fact, and this is fact, it doesn't matter what someone's told you. Someone like us in history has been there, yep. overcome it, and gone on to change the world, and you can too. And you've got to find that person as your guiding light, don't you? Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, so, so often that we are compared to the law of averages. Even when you go and get a blood test, they compare you to a group of sick people and tell you, right. hey, you know, uh, it, it's the whole, the whole system 
you know, is, is wrong, you know, uh, and, and going up against the odds. I mean, the odds that you or I are sitting here in the form that we are is like one in 48 trillion or something. So we've no all doubt. got the odds, you know, we're all being, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we're alive, you know. Um, so Alex, tell us what you're doing now. Like you, you've had an amazing career with your wife, Katie, and you've got two lovely daughters, uh, Kennedy and Reagan, um, and you've, You've had your ups and downs. I mean, a few years ago, you even went bankrupt. Tell us about that, that, that bit of that journey. So in my 20s, I grew a very large consultancy. I sold it when I met my wife. I was working way too much. The business almost killed me. It, we grossed about $250 million. We didn't make anywhere near that much. It was a very low margin business. Yep. And, um, and so I sold it. And we went into real estate in the United States. And in 2007, 2008 timeframe, the real estate market in the United States just imploded. Oh, yeah. And we went from having tens of millions of dollars in property and millions of dollars in cash and um, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in income to zero, like nothing. Wow. The, the market completely flipped upside down and we went bankrupt. And um, it, was, it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done to publicly declare that I was an absolute financial failure. Yeah. And for a couple of weeks, it was really hard. We didn't know what to do. Katie and I were, were trying to figure out what our next step was. And as we were going through bankruptcy, we were seeing all of the information that we were being sent by the banks and, you know, that we were watching this foreclosure crisis around us. And so I started outlining a book, which turned into a product. And from bankruptcy to a year later, we were back to liquid millionaires, just 1 million, but we were back to liquid millionaires. We created a product called the Certified Distressed Property Expert. And over the course of the first year, we trained about 1,500 people. But over the course of uh, from 2008, um, 2009 timeframe to about 2013, we trained over 50,000 real estate agents in the United or 49,000 real estate agents in the United States. We helped somewhere around 7 million homeowners avoid foreclosure. The business that we started did just about $70 million in gross revenue and completely changed the financial status of the entire United States. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting ride. You know, we ended up working with the Obama administration with most of the major lenders in the U S um, and, uh, and built a, a huge team. And, and as that business shifted because the market got healthier, we started looking at, you know, what were we going to do next? And so I started creating products for business owners to help them build the structure and systems within their business. And I was writing this book one night called Constructive Company, which has not been written. It's, it's been partially written for about the last three years because I was writing the book and I got to the section where I had to write about my client or who was going to buy the book. And I started writing about entrepreneurs and I, I just couldn't do it in 250 words. And after like trying and getting frustrated and getting up and talking to Katie and coming back, I sat down at my keyboard on a Saturday and I ended up writing about 25,000 words. <laughs> and I, I don't know how much of it came from me and how much of it came through me. <laughs> but um, when I was done, I had this argument for who we are. And I, I went out and I wanted to share it with people and say like, look, there's this thing called the entrepreneurial personality type and I have proof. And I never had to prove it because every entrepreneurial audience I've ever been in front of, I've shared what I shared with you and they all just say, that's the truth. That's real. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's what we are and what we are. And so that, that whole entrepreneurial personality type book came out of that. that yep. Type. 
Yeah, it, if anybody wants to check it out, they can go to freemomentumbook.com, but it's called, the book's called The Entrepreneurial Personality Type, and um, it's been downloaded tens of thousands of times. It's been sent all over the world, um, and it makes the argument that we are the most misunderstood, yet the most important population on earth. Yep, and that because we, we are ones that are changing. So people like, I don't know, Einstein or Edison or they were all these um, personality types that never, ever gave up. You know, Absolutely. Like, and if, it, Edison if you look at today in the world, everything around you was created by one of us. Yeah. The computers you and I are talking about wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for an entrepreneurial personality type dreaming this up and then going through all the pain and anguish and exposure and vulnerability of making it happen. And so, you know, I, 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 I make the argument that we're the most important population on the planet because without us nothing changes nothing evolves while the rest of the world strives for average and clings to the status quo we get up every day saying how do we do more be more put more out there and leave more behind yep. and when you drive around city after city you see the names of entrepreneurs on buildings you know and and i think a lot of the population thinks wow that's because they were important people it's because they wrote a check Entrepreneurs are the small population that go out, do everything we can to make as much as we can during our lifetimes, and then turn around and give it all away. Yeah, yeah, good ones. <laughs> <laughs> the good one. So if we if we move now into the billionaire code, because like um, I think this this framework that you've developed, the billionaire code. Once again, when I heard this, it was like, holy crap! Really, there is a there is a path to success that I can follow, and it tells me exactly what I should focus on when, because my problem has been in business, you know, uh, uh, up until last year I had, and this is actually, you were one of the reasons why I changed this. I had five companies and they were all, you know, in, in developmental stages and, and growing. And can you imagine trying to run that and look after oh, I see it all the time. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> and when you said to me, you have to fit into focus. Whereas I'd always thought you can't, if you start something, you finish it. You know, you don't, you don't quit. So I, I have a very hard time quitting anything. Even if it's long dead and the, the horse is lame, I'm still trying to smash it, you know? <laughs> and so I, I've now narrowed it down to two companies and um, that, that's massive, even just running two companies and having a, a you know, mum that I have to look after um, is, is a huge load, the amount of pressure and noise that I'm exposed to on a day-by-day day, day day basis. And I think this is so much, this is for everybody. We are, we are surrounded with being pulled in this direction and that direction. And it's very hard to know when you're in the de developmental stages of your business, um, what to focus on, where to get help, how to build a team, um, all of those sort of things. What do you so yeah. You want me to share the billionaire code concept, yeah. Lisa? So here's, here's the issue that I see in the entrepreneurial world today is that the vast majority of entrepreneurs are focusing and working as hard as they can on something that will not move their business forward right now. So when you look at most entrepreneurs, they are focused in a place where it's not going to create forward progress or momentum. And my obsession for most of my life is how do you make business grow? How do, how do entrepreneurs achieve? How do we achieve? And when you look at the billionaire code, it's the nine levels that we go through to create entrepreneurial success from zero dollars all the way up to a hundred million. But more importantly, it's the behavioral changes that we have to go through. 
Because here's what's not often talked about in entrepreneurial circles, because it doesn't look good on a sales letter, is that in order to be successful, you have to change behavior. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, we don't want to hear that. We feel constrained when we hear that. But the reality is we must. And so, but here's the question I always pose to entrepreneurs. If you knew exactly where you could focus to create maximum momentum right now and to get to your next level as an entrepreneur, would it matter what it was? And they all tell me, absolutely not. I would do whatever it takes. Yeah. And so the billionaire code shows you exactly where you are, where you should be in order to build your business next. And in July of last year, Katie and I started the business that we have today. And we used the exact process on the billionaire code. And in a one-year period, we went from zero revenue to over $2.5 million in run rate. So recurring revenue, not, not just re income, but recurring revenue in 13 months. And wow. we intend to show that we can take it to $10 million in a very short period of time. The reason is we have the Rosetta Stone. We have the blueprint for how you get there. Yeah. And um, if anyone's interested, they can go to billionairecode.com and download the entire matrix. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to put those uh, in the show notes below so that people can find that. Um, to briefly go through the, 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 the levels that you uh, have in the billionaire code and, you know, especially the first few because most of us are in there. Um, <laughs> no doubt. So, well, the first level, Lisa, of the billionaire code starts off the billionaire code. The first level is the crowd. It's that big population of people out there that, that really aren't trying to drive forward, that don't want to start something, don't want to do something. What happens is an entrepreneur looks up one day and says, you know, I want to do more. I want to be more. I want to leave more behind. I want to make a bigger change. And they become a seeker. That's the first level. The seeker is zero to $40,000. You're just starting out. It's like getting ready to become an entrepreneur. And what we know about seekers is that they have to have routines and understand themselves and, and really know who they are in order to become the entrepreneur that's going to succeed. And the second level of the billionaire code, when you graduate from seeker, we, you go to starter. That's forty dollars to $100,000. And at Starter, you have to be really clear on the market you serve. And here's the challenge. So many entrepreneurs get past $100,000, but they're not really clear on their market. They're doing a bunch of stuff for a bunch of different people. Yep. The way we lay out the billionaire code, it's in the ideal. So at that starter phase, if you identify exactly who you want to serve, you move on to promoter. Promoter is hundred to 300000 At promoter, the one thing you need to do is generate leads consistently. And what happens to so many entrepreneurs, they get to 100 to 300,000 and they do everything but generate and convert leads. Yep. Because if you do generate and convert leads, you go from promoter to builder, that 300 to a million. And that's where things really get interesting. Because yep. at 300 to a million, you have to start building systems around what you do well. And, and this is the hard part. This is where we, we are in, sort of getting to that level. Um, and, and this is the, the, what we're struggling with mostly is the whole team building thing. It, it's a really, really hard thing to, to, to get your head around. Oh, no question. Well, what happens is first you have to build systems and process around what you do well. Yeah. Then you have to transition to building a team around what you do well. And it's one of the hardest things in the world for us because from seeker, starter, promoter, all the way through, we're doing everything. And there's this tectonic shift right around a million dollars, somewhere between 300,000 to a million, where you can't do it all anymore. You can't possibly even consider doing it all. Yep. And what ends up happening is you now have to ask yourself, how do I do this? And you have to go from how do I get ahead to how does my team get me ahead? And how do I build a team around me? And that's what we show people to do. You know, our, our organization, our company shows entrepreneurial personality types, three things. One, 
how to understand themselves better so that you have an understanding of who you are. Two, how you build a forward-looking strategic plan because if you don't know where you're going, you're gonna have a hard time getting there. And then three, the systems and infrastructure so you build a team around you and you have clarity as to where you're going. Yeah, and, and, and it sounds all so simple and so, such in a, in a package, but it, it, it gives just guidelines to what to follow. Um, so if people want if people want to get in touch with you as far as your coaching services go, Alex, where do they go? The best thing to do is to go to billionairecode.com and they, there you can download the entire billionaire code, billionaire code matrix. But if you'd like to talk to a member of my team, you can schedule a call on that same page. Mm -hmm. And if somebody wants to get more familiar with me first, you can check out the podcast. That's how you and I met. Yeah. That's MomentumPodcast.com. And we now have two. We have the Momentum Podcast, and we're over 300 episodes. So we now have the Momentum Podcast archive. And um, Lisa, I'm super excited to say this month is our 13th month doing the podcast. And we will go through, um, we'll have a million downloads this month. So we will have, we'll eclipse 1 million downloads. That's absolutely insane. And, and I must highly recommend people, everybody go and listen to that. Uh, podcast. My mum listens to it. I listen to it. My husband listens to it. Where my business partner listens to it, and it's and it's our guiding light. And the 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 thing I love about you, Alex, is that you are so genuine. You're so passionate about what you do, and you don't need to be doing this. You could just sit back and lie on a beach somewhere. But as you said, you can't do that. So that isn't going to be an option. Um, but I think that that whole structure and knowing what to focus on is so key for businesses in this growth phase. Um, no question. That's what, you know, we've definitely been struggling with. Um, so Alex, as we come around to wrapping up for today, cause I know you're an extremely busy man. You've got lots to do. Um, what are some the last, you know, gems of wisdom that you want people to take away from this conversation today? What are the most important couple of, uh, you know, highlights out of what we've spoken today that's really, really important. I know that you're big, very big on health, and uh, we are too, <laughs> and you preach some very basic things that we preach as well, and people don't still do not listen to us, that hydration is important, that, you know, eating healthy is important, that, that moving daily is important, that connecting with nature is important, all of these sort of things. What's your take on, on that part, and then the final wrap-up? You know, I, as an evolutionary hunter, here's what I believe every one of us needs to understand is that we are physiologically sensitive, momentum-based beings, and we are highly reactive to constraint. And that means constraint anywhere, constraint in the body, constraint through hydration, constraint through bad nutrition, bad workouts, constraint through not working out. So lack of breathing, hydration, nutrition, and movement creates constraint for us. And there's far too many entrepreneurs that think that they're going to go out and make their greatest contribution without taking care of themselves. But the fact is, the path to success for people like us is through taking care of ourselves. When we lower the pressure and noise in our lives, everything in the world gets easier. And I think far too many entrepreneurs think that there's some other path to get there. And the, the fact is that if you want to be successful and, and be in momentum and be moving forward most of the time so that you feel alive, you have to take care of yourself. And so, you know, one of the things that we promote like crazy is our 10-day natural thirst challenge, Lisa. It's, we've, we've, there are tens of thousands of people have taken it. It helps you drink more water than you ever thought possible. And the reason is because when we get people fully hydrated, they make more money in their business. It's crazy. Like there's a direct correlation to mind body connection and success. And as far as thoughts to wrap up, 
you know, I, I, uh, I have two thoughts that I always leave audiences with. First, for all of us who have ever felt different and isolated and alone, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with you and you're not alone. You know, I have two friends, Sean and John, Sean Stevenson and John Morrow. They both are in wheelchairs. They're both multi-million dollar business owners. Sean's three feet tall and John navigates the world through his face. Both of them biohack and uh, are incredibly healthy and they, they're in chairs, but they are, have the biggest personalities and they, they, get, they motivate people around the world to do things. And they, Sean helps people become public speakers sitting in a wheelchair. John shows people how to become bloggers by blowing in a straw. And so if those guys can do it, you can do it. And I think for all of us who are running businesses and out there trying to make something happen, you know, I want you to know your business is broken. And if things go well, it always will be. Growth creates deficit and volume creates complexity. So as you grow, embrace the breaks, embrace the brokenness and go make it better because that's how you grow the business you really want. Just keep moving forward and keep that momentum coming. Alex, you've been absolutely wonderful today. Thank you so, so much for your precious, precious time. Um, thank, uh, thanks so much for doing the podcast daily. It's really my guiding light and I hope to join you on your, your fully fledged coaching program uh, as soon as we hit the next stage and can get there. So Alex, thank you so much for today. I'll put all those links in there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been absolutely wonderful having you. Thank you, Lisa. I can't wait to see you in one of our programs and we'll see you over here in the States soon. Take this opportunity to tell you about my new e-course, The Path of an Athlete, that I just launched recently. This is all about how to develop mental strength, resilience and tenacity. Learning how to overcome the barriers to reaching your full potential and stop those limiting beliefs that have held you back. Whether it be in your personal life, your career or in your sporting goals, you can control the outcome of your life. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash ecourse.